Well, good morning. Let's try that again. Well, good morning. Welcome home. We're so glad you're here today. We're glad those that are watching online today. We're excited. Pastor Sean is speaking in a, at our Columbus location today. And we're excited about today because Pastor Dylan Robinson is going to be sharing with us in just a minute. And for many of us, maybe we don't know who Pastor Dylan is, but Dylan was actually the youth pastor here at this church for about two years and was just doing an amazing God. God was doing amazing things. And he began to feel a tug on his heart to go and plant a church uh, in Springfield, Missouri. And I won't lie to you personally, I was thinking, man, this is not good. God is, this is, this is, God's got this wrong or Dylan's got this wrong, but God has been doing some amazing things. And I just share this with you to see and give credit to God. But in 2016, they planted this church and this Easter, they had over 1100 people there just about three or four years ago. So God is doing some amazing things in their community. They started with one campus. They just planted their second campus here uh, just a few weeks, months ago, and that's going really well. And what's crazy and complicated is in the midst of all of this, God starts to shift in Dylan's heart to be moving away from the well and, and to begin to go out and, and just preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're excited to have him here today. I just want to tell you, if your hearts are open today, uh, the Lord just preached fire through through Dylan and the first service, and you're, we're, we're in for just an amazing day today. So let's greet and welcome Dylan as he comes and shares with us today. Amen. Well, good morning. Man, great to be here. A lot of you guys know me, and you're used to me uh, dressing differently. The other people who haven't seen me yet, you're like, why did we bring this guy here today? Uh, but man, I'm just a distant cousin uh, who's so thankful to be uh, back where, man, my ministry really began. And I want to give credit where uh, credit's due, number one, uh, to Jesus Christ, man. Uh, it's all about him. It's never about anyone else. And I want to uh, acknowledge here before you, I have nothing without him. And I'm so grateful, though, that, man, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, who's in Christ is a new uh, creation. The old is gone. The new is here. Man, aren't you thankful that we are new creation in Jesus Christ? Amen. Man, second of all, man, I just want to uh, thank you know, Pastor Kyle for uh, taking a chance on me. Uh, they hired me when I believe I was around 20 years old, maybe 21. And I remember, you know, preaching here on my first Sunday in, in the congregation looking at me like, why did we just hire this kid to come and be here today? And, man, to see what God did through that ministry is, is so uh, incredible. But, man, uh, I just thank Pastor Kyle for his effectiveness and faithfulness uh, you know, within this church and me. And oftentimes when you have such a great leader, it's really easy to take them for granted just because they produce so well. But I want you to know that leaders from all over the country, uh, man, reach out to your pastor and want to know uh, what he knows and, and wants to know, you know what they're doing here. And so I just think it would be appropriate if we could give your pastor a rant round of applause here today because, man, you are so blessed to have him. I mean that. Thank you for taking a chance upon me. And uh, so today, uh, or this past few weeks, we've been in this series here, um, and it's called It's Complicated. Everybody say that with me, please. It's Complicated. And uh, man, being away just a couple hours, I oftentimes will go back online and listen to Kyle or whoever's preaching, if it's Adam or Garrett. And, and man, you guys have some phenomenal communicators here. And, and this particular series, man, even though I was studying uh, to preach this sermon, this minute or this series really spoke to me. But this idea of It's Complicated... What relationship isn't? Uh, I've been married about three years uh, now. It'll be uh, three years in July uh, 16th, and I have marriage all figured out now, so it's amazing. Um, you know, that's a joke. 
But man, life is complicated. It's not good or bad. It's just something that we know is true, and we've got to learn to navigate that, don't we? And so the, the focus for this series is this. It says, relationships are more about navigating the complicated faithfully rather than avoiding the complicated fearfully. And um, I would love to take credit for that and act like I was that profound to create that. But Kyle did that. But I'm still going to go ahead and tweet that and take credit for that because that sounds pretty good to me. It's faithfully and fearfully. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if I've ever had uh, fear not present when there was a matter of faith arise. And what I mean by that is I remember just a few years ago as Kyle uh, been restated where I stood right here along with our launch team to plant the well in, in 2016. And, and Kyle later told me, he didn't tell me at the time that he didn't know God was in it. But later, you know, after God blessed it, he told me that. I was like, thanks, bro. I really appreciate that. But I remember we were standing up in front and we're like, man, we're going to go plant a church in Springfield, Missouri. It's going to be great. And all of you guys, or most of you that were here back then were encouraging to me. But I'm sure a little bit of y'all were like, y'all, you're going to fall on your face real quick, man. But God has been so faithful to me. But I'm here to tell you, it wasn't easy. It hasn't been easy, but yet who knows if God's in it, man, he will equip you to whatever it is that you need to do. And just because it isn't easy doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. And oftentimes I believe that the greatest faith steps that present or that, that result in amazing results oftentimes are met with some of the greatest fear, right? If God asks you to do something, he never promised us it wouldn't be easy, but he promises it, it would be worthwhile and he'd be with us. And I don't want to live a comfortable life. I want to live a faithful life. Can I get an amen? And we are called to live faithfully. But when it comes to complications, man, we have so many complications with other people. Man, whether it's your, with God, as you looked in week one, if it's yourself, week two, if it's family, uh, you know, last week, and then today, uh, in, in a second, we're going to look at others. But we have these different complications in life, but we've got to learn how to go about it. But the greatest thing is, oftentimes, we pray that God would remove somebody out of our lives, right? So last night, my wife and I stayed at a hotel here in town, a, a beautiful hotel. And, but man, like there was like a bunch of baseball, like collegiate baseball teams that were in there. And, uh, man, it was like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. They're just running around being crazy. And I like, finally, man, I'm deaf in one ear. So if the, de- the deaf person can't sleep, you know, it's loud. You know what I'm talking about? So finally I wake up and I'm like, dude, I'm calling the front office. I'm pretty laid back, but I was like, I'm so tired of this. I'm going to go and let one of those collegiate baseball players know what's up in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And uh, you know what I'm saying? Holy Spirit push. And, uh, and I kid you not, I was like, dude. And I just remember the Lord, like, what are you speaking on tomorrow? I was like, it's complicated. <clears throat> Jesus, right? Like with others. And that's, that's today's message, what we're looking at today with others. See, others isn't just friends, but it's also foes, isn't it? Right? It's often baseball players running around in the hotel above you. But maybe not just baseball players. Maybe it's your coworker. Man, sometimes it's a, a family member, right? I know you looked at family, but who knows that family can oftentimes be the greatest enemy, right? Sometimes it's those people that you oftentimes wish that God would remove them out of your life, but little did you know that maybe God placed them in your life so that way you could tell them about, man, what Jesus Christ has done in your heart, and maybe just maybe they'll prompt, you know, prompt, the Holy Spirit will prompt them to open up about their story, and they end up coming to Pitnaz and get saved, and it changes their entire family. Maybe just maybe what seems to be a complication could actually be a blessing from God. Man, it can, but we've got to be able to recognize it. And so, man, today we're going to look at how to go about man, navigating all that God has for us, even in the midst of complication. So if you would, pray with me one more time as we get started. Father, I thank you so much for today. 
God, I thank you for all that you do. And Lord, I just pray right now, God, that you just have your way. God, I just pray that you will move, Lord, in a way that I, Lord, only you can. God, I'm honored and humbled to be uh, in the house of, of the Lord today. So, Lord, would you just, um, Father, would you truly move and allow us to leave here today knowing that we met with the living God. Father, we love you and pray this in your name. Amen. And so uh, just as I stated, I have marriage all figured out now, uh, obviously not. But, you know, what's so funny about marriage is you have the dating process, and, and that process in itself is hilarious. You know, you're, you look at each other, what's going on, right? You're trying to fill them out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are dating right now, and you're trying to fill that out. You're like, man, does he really love Jesus? Oh, he's marking his Bible. He must really love Jesus, right? She just lifted her hand. I knew that was, man, I knew that's who God had for me, right? You, you begin to date each other, and then you kind of get, you know, used to each other a little bit more, and then uh, all of a sudden it kind of, I mean, it doesn't get boring, but it's still fun, but you kind of get used to each other, and then the big ring comes out, holla, you know what I'm saying? And man, the engagement happens, and, and you begin to get excited about you know, getting married, and you can't wait, and then you have the great wedding day, and man, the, the, the bride comes down, the beautiful dress and it's unbelievable, and it's just as, you know, that God promised you, hashtag bless, he's so faithful, and all that, and then you go on the honeymoon, come on now, y'all know what I'm talking about, and then you go to the honeymoon, and you wake up, you're like, oh, this is romantic, this is incredible, right, and then for, you know, a couple weeks after that, you're like, this is amazing, and it is, but then, you wake up one day and that high wore off. You know what I'm talking about, right? We were like, oh my goodness. It doesn't mean that it's any, it's any worse or anything. It's still amazing. It's an incredible thing. But man, we oftentimes build up these amazing expectations, right? These amazing expectations of what could be and what would be. And, and man, it, it's an incredible thing. But all of a sudden, you, like within marriage and even any relationship, you begin to navigate the complications of it. See, I remember once we got back um, from the honeymoon, and that was amazing in itself, amen. But then once you get back, you begin to adjust. I remember, man, just getting ready one day. I'm like, babe, why is the toothpaste right there? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about today. And then she's like, babe, why did you not put the toilet seat down? I almost drowned last night, Right? <laughs> And then we're like, babe, I love you, but I'm about to lay hands and pray for you because you're driving me crazy right now, right? And you just navigate. But it doesn't mean just because the first fight you get, all of a sudden you just forsake that. Man, that's the beauty of marriage. That's the beauty of any relationship. And you go through the different stages and you learn how to work this out. And what's funny is many of you know my story, but many of you here don't know my story. And see, I didn't, um, I don't have time to share my entire story, but I didn't grow up in a home where marriage was demonstrated appropriately. See, I was a drug baby. I wasn't supposed to, man, be alive. My mom had me when she was 18 years old. And, and man, I grew up in a very drug-infested, abuse-infested and, and, uh, uh, culture, man, where I watched my mom get beat. I watched my dad beat people. And, and man, by the time uh, I'm 14, I'm using drugs. Man, by the time I'm 16, I'm on house arrest watching cops. Y'all see the irony right there? Come on now. You can't make that up. You're on house arrest watching cops. Come on now. That's funny. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know that Jesus loved me. I was just trying to survive. I watched relationships completely be miserable. And then on February 21st of, of 2010, Jesus Christ came in and changed me. Fast forward nine years later, I've been saved and sober, and God has redeemed me. He's restored me, given me a wife. That now I'm living a life I never knew I could have. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching, because that's what God did and not man's words. 
But I tell you that because, man, when I was in high school, my youth pastors took me in, and man, they, John and Selena, right? That's, I mean, they were the, they were the, you know, token relationship. John and Selena, and, and I loved them, and I heard that forever. But finally, I was just like, I'm so sick and tired of hearing John and Selena. I want Dylan and whoever. You know what I'm saying? And I remember the Holy Spirit whispered to me one night, I promised to God, he said, Dylan, you don't just wake up one day and get that. It's not just who you get. It's about becoming the one. And Dylan, you're not ready yet. You've got to continue to be like, be like me, and then eventually you'll have what they have. And in church, I think that sometimes, man, when it comes to our expectations, man, we just begin to ask God, say, God, would you bless our expectations? Or we get into relationships and say, here are my expectations. Will you meet them? Or if it's your friendships, man, would you meet my expectations? Expectations or, or your co-worker relationships, whatever it might be, we begin to throw these relationships out. But if we're not careful, it can completely end up making it off balance because we're not filtering it through the Holy Spirit. We're filtering it through our own expectations. So here's, here's what our focus is today. Complications with others arise from unmet expectations. Say this with me, please. Complications with others arise from unmet expectations. I know you guys are intelligent here, but um, here's what the great philosopher of Wikipedia said on expectation. A strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. See, expectations is, I assume that this would happen, right? Like, I, I planned on this happening. And sometimes, man, it doesn't quite happen the way that we want. And what arises is frustration, right? You have expectations over here and the byproduct of that can oftentimes be frustrations. Can I get an amen? See, because at times we thought it was going to be like this. At times I'm like, it's going to be a great night's sleep and it's going to be peaceful and the Holy Spirit's going to allow me to sleep like a dove. And then I just wake up in the middle of the night being like, I'm about to show somebody what's up. A marriage is going to be so easy. It's going to be amazing. And then you get into it and it's a little bit harder than you thought. Or more specifically with, with others, with your friends or your foes, man, sometimes with your friends that can be difficult. But how about your enemies? How about those foes in your life, right? I don't recommend them. You go up to them and call them a foe, but we have those foes. And for me, I don't know if I have a greater foe in my entire life than my own family, See, my, currently right now, my mother is in jail, headed to prison, and my dad is still out on the streets doing his own thing, though God has been faithful to my life, and he's restored a lot of my family, and I praise God for that. But man, I'm not preaching a message here that I've never had to walk through. I'm preaching, or I'm preaching something that I am literally in the midst of right now. And so we've got to learn, what do we do about these expectations? And so I'm so glad you asked what we do with these expectations. So we're going to look at that right now. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 28 says this. It says, the hopes of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations of the wicked come to nothing. I'm going to read it one more time. The hopes of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations, everybody say expectations, of the wicked come to nothing. What, what this is telling us here is we can, we have a decision every day of our lives when it comes to the relationship with others, whoever that might be for you. We can choose to put our expectations, man, based on our own preference, man, our selfish, self-centered focus and say, man, if you don't do for this, if you don't do this for me, then you're breaking my expectation. Or we can be Christ-centered, making sure that we are dying to our flesh and saying, God, I want Christ-centered expectations. And you know what's so awesome is Psalms 37, 4 says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. That does not mean if you want a Lamborghini, you're going to walk outside and it's going to be right there. Wouldn't that be awesome, right? But what that is saying is it's almost spiritual manipulation. 
And as we take delight in God, guess what? God takes delight in us, and his will becomes our will, and his preferences become our preferences. And 16-year-old Dylan wanted these things, but as I I got saved, and fast forward to 25-year-old Dylan, I continue to want God to flush me out of myself. So I say, God, I want to die to my flesh. I want your spirit to arise within me. I want the things of God rather than the things of flesh. And all of a sudden, I end up having a happy life and and a blessed life because I went through the expectations of God rather than self. And church, I'm here to tell you today, no matter what your story is, no matter what you've went through, if you can put your expectations in God, I promise you, you will be a blessed man or woman of God. But so many times we don't do that because we don't necessarily know how to navigate the differences within that. And so I want to look at a very, uh, you know, very famous selection of scripture today. It comes from Acts chapter 13. And this is the famous story of Paul and Barnabas. And many of you have heard this, many of you have not, but this tells a story of how a very man, um, you know, a very manly man of God uh, had to learn these different expectations, how to go about this. And so many times, even though if God's in it, it doesn't mean that it's hard or that it's not easy. And so here's what it says. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. So after more prayer and fasting, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Samalus, I should have chosen an easier scripture to read. They went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Okay, that's the key scripture. It says, Paul and his companions then left Paphos by the ship of Pamphylia, landing at the port of Perga. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see what the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylius and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Everybody say separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches there. Man, what a loaded scripture. But to break it down in, in, in context, you have Barnabas and, and John Mark who are cousins. Who knows? We all have that one cousin who always wants to tag along, right? It's like, man, you again. And that's what happened. Man, John Mark was there with Paul and Barnabas, and they're going about, and, and the Holy Spirit, man, led them, man, through prayer and fasting. And I'll, I just want to insert this. Maybe you're familiar with prayer. Uh, I'm sure you are with prayer, but maybe not fasting. And I didn't ever plan on saying this, but man, I felt like the Holy Spirit wants me to speak this today. That, uh, the definition of fasting is abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. And so it's not like the Whole30 diet. It's not keto diet or whatever your preference is, intermittent fasting. Man, it, it's, a, it's going aside with food and stakes to, to hear from God. And so, man, as they did that, and as they continued to, to feel the Holy Spirit was leading them out, they were faced with this idea of, man, you can either be faithful or you can be fearful. And see, fast forward to now, you know, as Pastor Kyle stated, 1,100 some people at Easter and, and God's done some incredible work. But I want you to know how much fear 
was on me that day as I stood bef- before the congregation then and say, man, I feel like God's called us to plant a church. See, it's easy in your quiet time when the Holy Spirit speaks to you to do something, but then when you got to go and act out on that, that's a whole other thing, right? And so I remember in the midst of that, just praying and praying, and I began to fast. God began to affirm in me, Dylan, this is what you, this is what I've called you to do. And then fast forward within the ministry, all of a sudden, no longer was it, oh, is this thing going to fail? Now it's like, man, God is blessing this. And, and all of a sudden, man, this anxiety and, and, and this intensity came upon me, and I felt this pressure as pastors much older than me and much more wise than me and, and much more experienced than me called me and said, Dylan, what are you doing? How, how are you able to, you know, to get the church from here to here? And church, I promise you, I've never once felt a, a day of anxiety. Man, I, anxiety was my middle name growing up, and I, I, I was in some of the hardest positions as a kid. But I remember, man, several months ago, I was preaching on a Sunday morning, and uh, just like this, and I was preaching, and all of a sudden, I could not remember the story of Jacob and Esau. If you're going to be a successful pastor in 2019, you need to know the story of Jacob and Esau, church, Right? But man, I could not get the words out. I was trying to talk and I couldn't get it. And all of a sudden, I felt such anxiety, such fear come upon me. And one of the pastors there, I looked at her because I could not talk. I just gave her the microphone. And I wish you guys could see her face. Like, I'm about to get up and preach a sermon. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Really? Suck it up, Dylan. Let's go. But I literally couldn't talk. Come to find out, man, there was some severe man, anxiety and different things that came upon me. Why did I tell you that here today? Because I know, and I know the stats, and I know the stories of suicide, uh, of this opioid epidemic, you name it, of, of people be beginning to come paralyzed with fear and depression and anxiety. And I'm not telling you that, that, man, that I have your answer, but I do know this, that in the midst of me, man, stepping out in faith and leaving everything I knew here in Pittsburgh, and I loved my pastor, I loved my congregation, I went back to Spring field and I didn't know if it would work and then God began to bless it and then all of a sudden I was in the midst of it and I didn't know if I could take this next step to to get the church to the next level I didn't know I felt the enemy beginning to paralyze me with fear and anxiety and saying Dylan you're not enough and then in the midst of people making accusations against me in the church and and some people leaving the church and all this man I remember just becoming to this point where I knelt down I said God I can't do this and it was in that beautiful moment when I felt the sweet presence of God said, Dylan, I know, and quit doing it on your own. But if you will allow me to come in and sweep you up, man, I promised you there, there would be trials in this world, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And man, if Jesus is for you, who can be against you? And I think there's some of you here today, you're, you're facing, man, this difficulty, you're facing this frustration within this relationship. Maybe your expectation isn't quite the way that you thought it would be. And I want to know that God is for you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear any evil. You don't have to fear the anxiety or depression because God loves you and he cares for you. If you think that's good, say amen. He cares for you. What does that have anything to do with this? Because Paul and Barnabas were men of God. They were fasting. They were praying, abstaining from food. That's not fun. Believe me, I've done it. I love Jesus, but I love food. But man, all of a sudden, Mark leaves them, and, 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 and Paul just kind of brushes it off. He's like, whatever, and then it comes back, and then Barnabas wants his cousin to come along again, and Paul ain't having it. Paul's saying, no, that's, that's the dude who left us. Y'all, you remember that, right? When we were starving, when, when we were putting our life at risk, man, man, this guy went back on us. He says, I know, but man, I want him to come, and they end up 
dispersing. I think that you guys have some relationships that are pretty complicated here today that you're trying to navigate this faithfully, but in the midst of that, man, fear has come along. Maybe there's somebody who's really rubbed you wrong, who said they would do something for you, but they ended up not doing it. Maybe you have a, a, a coworker who treats you horribly and you're trying to reflect God, but if you're being honest, it's really hard for you right now because, man, you just don't see the fruit in it. And here's what I want you to hear. If you don't get anything else, please, man, get this. The greatest testimony of our faith is not what we say with our words, but what we do with our lives. Meaning, you can talk all day about how good God is and, 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 and the theology you know and all that stuff, but do you know what people really think? They don't care what you know until they know how much you care. They don't give a rip about your faith or your church, but you know what they do care about? When, when they are having a hard day and even when they lash out on you, you stand there and you love them and you forgive them and you care for them. That is what wants people to know the God that you serve. And we've got to be sensitive to that, to knowing that men, even in those hard times when our expectations aren't being met, we must remain faithful. But here, man, Paul and Barnabas, they're faced with this decision. They don't know what to do. So here's what the scripture says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. It says this. It says, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Christine's has gone to Galatia and, Galatia, and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. That's where the movie came from, just for, you, for your notice. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful for me in my ministry. And oftentimes we can read scripture and, and, and just kind of skip over it and say, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. But who knows that, man, the Bible is just not another book. It's the book. And it, and it tells God's story. And see, here in Timothy, this is Paul writing to Timothy. Did you notice how his dialogue completely changed? He went from completely frustrated with Mark to this dude who just left us out to dry, man. Are you kidding me? To all of a sudden, he says, hey, uh, bring that Mark guy. And you know they're like, the dude that you don't like? Yeah, bring that guy. Are you going to kill him? Nope. Because remember, Paul, you have a history. I'm just saying. Who knows that in the midst of you trying to be better, the enemy throws some things you've done in your past back at you. He says, bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. What's so special about that is that Paul recognized at this moment that life is short. Life is short. I talked to a lady that was after service, last service, who's sat back there. And, man, her and her husband loved me so well when I came to this church. Cared for me, loved me. And I remember a couple months ago, maybe, I was sitting there and I looked on social media and I saw that her husband passed away, Steve Heffley. And I got to be real, I just... My heart just whew, sunk. I'm sure some of you know, know him, knew him. And I don't know why that particular day, I just, that really showed me, man, how quick life goes. I had one of my best friends. He'd been married three years, three years, almost the same amount of time as me and my wife. And I just, I've been mentoring him recently. Last week, he's 
stood right in front of me, sitting there, and he said, D, my wife just died of cancer, 24 years old. He said, if I've learned anything, life is short, man. He said, but God is so good. There's some of you in here today, like Paul, you have a decision to make. There's some people that's cut you so deep. The business deal, the friend, the family member. And there's times you have that decision. You can try to act like it doesn't bother you, but you know it does. Or there's the other times where you want to try to hold that grudge. And here's what I want to tell you about grudges. If I've learned anything about grudges, in the midst of me thinking that I'm getting one up on them by holding a grudge, do you know who that really affects? It affects you more than them because they're not thinking about it, but you sure are. But as we begin to release that grudge to God, say, God, they did not meet my expectations. But, Lord, it's not no longer am I following that expectation based on my own preferences and, and, and what I desire. God, I want my expectations to be about you. Just as what Paul learned through John Mark, he began to forgive Mark. And what Paul knew, did not know that we know now know is he wrote three-fourths of the New Testament, the greatest church planner to ever live. And because of the forgiveness of Mark and the leadership that Paul instilled within Mark, we now have the gospel of Mark, and what would have happened if Paul and Mark refused to come together, but instead forgiveness was extended and God reconciled that. And I'm here to tell you today as your strange cousin from Springfield, Missouri, who wears too tight of jeans, but has experienced some pain just like you, God is looking for you to raise up, man, some leaders in your family and say, we are not going to leave these expectations based on who gets one up on the other person. We're not going to walk around stuck up. We're going to extend the forgiveness to anybody and everybody and there will be times where we got to have healthy boundaries and times just like Barnabas and Paul had to separate but I want people to look at my life and say I don't know how he goes through hell and still loves God and still loves other people but I want on that team and some of you here today have that opportunity to receive the forgiveness of God and to be able to extend the forgiveness of God Pastor Kyle he didn't tell you, but the real reason I left is we got in a fight one day. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. But this guy had the audacity one day to tell me something that, you know, I hadn't like stood up to somebody in a long time. I'm like, dude, we're about to throw down right here, right now. He doesn't even know this story. Should have asked permission before I told it. No. I was a youth pastor here and and I truly thought I'd be here until Jesus came back. But um, I just came in, and my heart was broken. And I was sitting there, and I was gritting my teeth, because that's what I do when I'm frustrated. Don't know why. And he could tell, because he's a good leader and annoying and cares for his people sometimes. He said, D, what's up, man? I said, I'm good, bro. Never once opened up to people. I didn't let people know. I'm the pastor, man. Youth pastor. I'm not the lead, but I'm a youth pastor. Leave me alone. He said, what's going on? I said, I'm fine. I said, you're not fine. I'm fine. You're not fine. Shut up, Kyle. Finally, he said, D, what's going on? He didn't know that, man, the night before, I was trying to talk my mom out of not pulling the trigger of that pistol on the other end and 
saying things to me that she said so long and manipulated my mind and really robbed me of a childhood along with my dad. And it wasn't just then. It's been continuous as I try to help her get sober and things. And I was just, I was at the end of my road. I was so mad. And I remember him saying, D, you got to forgive her. I said, no crap, Sherlock. No, I said, I did. And this guy had the audacity to say, no, you didn't. We're about to throw hands right here, right now, huh? And he said something that forever changed my life. You probably didn't even know this. He said, D, it's not just about the one-time forgiveness. It's a choice to forgive every single day. Guys, in that moment, a whole paradigm shift took place. I'm a happy guy, except for when people run around really loud in hotels and wake me up. But man, there's been a lot of pain deep down that a lot of people don't know that I'd seen and been exposed to. And it results out of passion here today, but sometimes, man, it can overcome on me and I'll have flashbacks or, man, some new stuff will happen. It's really hard to deal with at times. And that moment in Kyle's office when he told me about extending that forgiveness, man, it changed my life because now I'm not giving the enemy the power to give me frustration, anxiety, and anger. Instead, I'm going to reflect Paul here and begin to extend the forgiveness of others and and begin to get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander as well as every types of evil behavior. Instead, I'm going to be kind to people and tenderhearted and forgiving one another just as God through Christ forgave me. And in the midst of me not wanting to extend forgiveness, it doesn't mean I got to go and have a cup of tea or coffee with them, but I can look at this cross right here and say, you know what? Before I was a pastor, before I was a Christian, I was a broke, broke Broken person with a very man, severe list of sinful nature, and God came and He sent a son and died for me. And now that I'm able to be forgiven, I get to go and extend the forgiveness to other people. In church here today, I don't know how you've been hurt, I don't know who is making it complicated for you right now, but you have people in your life that it is absolutely frustrating to you. These all, there's all these interconnecting parts, and you're trying to be good, but at the same time, you're frustrated. What I want you to be able to know is, as your expectations are filtered through God rather than your own thinking, there's something that happens where you're able to extend the forgiveness of God in a way that is not even in a way to be explained other than the fact that Jesus Christ resonates in you. So my question for you as we end is this. Do the complications you have with others, friends or foes, result from your own unmet expectations. You got to do self-inventory before you begin to point the finger or the unmet expectations of others. Are the complications you're having in life resulting from unmet expectations that there's no balance with on your own end? And maybe you need to do some self-inventory. Maybe you need to extend Christ more than what you've done. Or there's some unmet expectations that others have put on you that you just, you're not called to wear that burden. As Paul and Barnabas did, man, they distanced themselves, but there was no hate. But my final question as we end is this. How are you showing God's love or forgiveness in this situation? Right now. You don't have to think hard about it. You know. I'm going to pray. Before I do, 
I want you to think about Judas and Jesus. It has a ring to it, doesn't it? Most of you know this, but some who don't, Judas was one of Christ's disciples who ended up betraying Christ. But Jesus knew that he would betray him because he knows the motives and hearts of every person. But I want you to think about this. Jesus being Jesus did not treat Judas any lesser than the entire time with the other remaining 11 disciples. In fact, he allowed him to be in charge of the money. Come on. Jesus didn't say, get out of here, Satan. Matter of fact, he used that to Peter. He loved Judas. Though he knew he would be the one to sell him away to the Romans to be betrayed and beaten and crucified, he loved him. He wanted Judas to be able to receive Jesus' love. And I know humanly it's impossible to be able to extend the love and forgiveness that Jesus did to Judas to, to those who we have complications with. But I do know where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And if we are new creations in Christ and we have the spirit of God, which I believe that we do, can I get an amen? We are able to extend that same spirit that Jesus gave to Judas that we can give to other peoples. And that, my friends, is the gospel message. How are you extending forgiveness? If you would, bow your head, close your eyes. Team's going to come. Just want you to do some inventory, if you would, in this moment. Father, I'm honored to be able to share your word, but God, I know that I have nothing to be able to pierce people's hearts and minds. But I do know right now there's maybe a father here that's been cut deep by their own father, maybe. And I know that family was last week, but man, as we're looking at foes today, maybe there's some people in this room who've been cut pretty deep by their own father. Maybe it's a mother. Maybe it's a cousin. But maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a past friend that used to be their best friend and now their arch enemy. Maybe it's another person at a different church. Maybe it's somebody in this church that might even be in this service right now. But God, I do know that your will is for those to be saved and for you to reconcile every single relationship. And God, I see that in Romans 8, 28, God, you make all things work together for the good of those who love you according to your purpose. And God, just as you restored Barnabas and Paul and John Mark, you ended up using Paul and Mark and Barnabas in amazing ways. And I feel like there's been hurt that has happened in this room right now who the enemy has had man, just their, his foot on their throat. And Lord, I pray that forgiveness, restoration, redemption would come in this place. And God, as we begin to sing about living hope, God, the atmosphere begins to change, not because it's an emotional setting, but because God, you're, we worship you in spirit and in truth and God, your spirit is here. Therefore, your truth is here. And God, I pray for restoration to happen. God, I pray that we can begin to extend that forgiveness to those that have hurt us. God, I pray that people will walk around no, no longer offended, but God, knowing that they are saved by God and they desperately want other people to be saved. 
I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to begin to sing about this living hope. I'm not dumb. I know I'm not very old, but I've been around long enough. There's hurts in this place. But did you know the church is not a place for us to come dress and look good and bounce? We're come to meet with God the Father and be around our godly friends. And let's just allow the Spirit to do something new today in Pittsburgh, Kansas. I know this guy and I know this church. And I know your heart is for God to move. But I believe the reason God has used a broken dude like me in Springfield, Missouri, where they said you shouldn't go back to your hometown and definitely don't go and plant there. And you're too young and you're too dumb. They got that one route. But man, you know what? I'm a fool who is foolish for Jesus. And here I am, send me. And some of you, the enemy's got you down and you're trying to get to your destiny. You're trying to get to your God-given purpose, but you can't see the purpose because your expectation is not aligned with God. But if you get your expectation on God, you get clarity and you can step into that. And all of a sudden you see people different. All of a sudden you talk different. All of a sudden you worship different. All because of a different perception. As you can tell, I'm excited. But it's because I know what he's done for me and I know what he can do for you. So, man, we're going to begin to worship. The altars are open. Nothing powerful about the altars, but in Old Testament, it represents a sacrifice. In the New Testament, it's us sacrificing our plans, our expectations, our doubts, our fear, everything. And say, God, I want to, I want to navigate the complications faithfully rather than fearfully. So let's worship God in this place. Let's give him all we got. The altars are open. And don't miss your opportunity. Who cares who's to your left and right? Don't be a follower. You be a leader. God saved you, giving the praise he deserves. Let's worship.